Hello and welcome to this episode of the Baseball Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Happy New Year. I'm your host, Adam Castor. Here, as always, my co-host, Ed Birdsall. January 3rd feels like a weird time to say Happy New Year because it's just it already feels kind of kind of late. But here we are. We haven't gotten to talk to you since the uh, the great slate of games um, over the weekend, professional and college football games. So, yeah. Anyway, Happy New Year. How are you, Bird? All right. Crazy. The year's over. The year from hell. Year from hell is is finally over. It was uh it was Black Tuesday yesterday. Had to uh had to make some decisions on 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 leagues that I would be a part of next year and I had to I, I exited four. Oh. I killed killed one and I left three. Wait, so I'll ask you after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dead. Oh. The online is dead. That's a shame. Online is dead. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I, I'm sure everyone everyone faces this this dilemma at one point or another. But at the end of the day, it came down to financials. It came down to money, and I'm going to be putting my money towards leagues next year. Money and time, money and time, the two biggest things make the world go around. I want to be putting my money and my time towards leagues that are, I guess, worth it. And the way that I saw it that league was just something that I needed to be putting down more money in that league for it to be worth my time. And it wasn't. So is it like completely dead or are you just going to change it to something else? I don't or... know. I okay. don't know. I don't know the exact, the exact answer. There is a 10% chance that I rework it, but uh, as, as of now, I think my move is in, and honestly it was four leagues that are all redraft. So I think I'm just following through with my New Year's resolution that I'll be never, I will not be playing redraft in 2024. Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of fits because if it takes a year like this to be like redraft sucks. No, it it does it it doesn't suck. It doesn't suck. I wouldn't well, say I wouldn't say it doesn't say suck, but like it takes a year like this to kind of like sour you. On redraft a little no, bit. No, it, it takes a year like this to for me to realize that my head just works in a totally different way than how redraft is supposed to be. Like, I, my head is just much bigger picture. So, you know, I look at, at you know, the Superflexes. Superflexes, to- it's a totally different ballgame because, you know, there's just so many other things that are going on and it makes you adjust. But I think the bog standard, you know, going into a draft and, and you know, just drafting a team, um, I, I sound very one percenter. I kind of sound like you right now, Adam. I, I don't I don't love this. I don't love this. I mean, 20, 2023, I'm man of the people. 2024, I don't know. They could turn heel a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it was it, it sucks. It, it, def- it definitely sucks because, I mean, some of these leagues I was in for 10 plus years and I had to kind of go to the commissioners and go to the people that were in the league and, you know, to to select you. I haven't made the official uh, call in that league yet to let everybody know, but um, I had to go to commissioners and be like, Hey, you know, I, I, I I need to exit some leagues. And Oh, you weren't the commissioner of all the leagues. Cause I know that. No, no, I wasn't the commissioner of all of them. Okay. I was only the commissioner of one, only the commissioner of one. And then I, and then other three I left. Yeah. All, all standard redraft, and I am sticking with my keepers, my dynasties, and my uh, my my super flexes. Well, and especially especially now, if if the and the guillotine, and the guillotine, of course, and the guillotine, of course. But I know I know now that you know I, I have another dynasty league to add. You know, if if Jake's super flex turns into a dynasty league. Um, I might be joining another dynasty league. I'd be interested so, in that if the spot opens. Also, I've put my name in the throw, throw my hat in the ring for that. I don't think I don't think there's going to be a spot. I think everyone is back. I think. Okay. I think. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's one. That's one for the boss, not me. Yeah, that's fair. I, so I'm Jake's just, the, Jake's the commissioner. Yeah, Jake is the commissioner of that league, and then my and then my expert league, which I came in third. Um. That one I'll be back in next year for sure because that one that one I cannot leave that one I can I cannot leave. 
that is what we call uh, that league. That league for me is called uh, networking. Yeah, that's fair. But, uh, But yeah, yeah, it was Black Tuesday. yeah, it's uh, it happens. You got to do what you got to do. Oh, yeah. Um, Yep. yeah. Sucks. It sucks, but we move and happy off season to to everybody. Hallelujah. Yes. We're Happy here. off season. Well, so we have a couple takeaways, uh, three to four for each of us, about the season just passed. And uh, it's not going to be, we're not going to go position by position. It's just going to be, you know, we're going to alternate. And uh, I'll go first for Sure. this one. Surely. So I was actually, I kind of thought of this this morning when I woke up because Mm hmm I was thinking about what takes to, you know, you know, takeaways to have and how to word this, but as college football fans know, every once in a while, every once in the blue moon, you get a 2007. And we got a 2007, which is, I don't know if you remember, I don't, I wasn't watching college football, but from what I
crowded running back room or trying to find a running back room where there is a unst where there's an unstable starter and trying to go and target the understudy. So what am I talking about? My two two of my biggest guys this year coming coming into it, which is part of the reason why it's been one of my worst years ever, if not my worst year ever, was Cam Akers and Alexander Madison. Cam Akers, what happened with him? He was dog shit for a week, and then we never saw him again. Then he got traded, and in stepped Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams is probably the biggest league winner in 2023. Alexander Madison was kind of okay. You know, didn't really light the world on fire or anything. Didn't have really a monster game at all. Um, he goes out. Ty Chandler stepped in, and Ty Chandler was brilliant to, uh, for for the end of the season. Um, and then some other another mention as well. Not necessarily that he was an understudy, but he was the starter, and there was an understudy behind him, and that's Raheem Mostert in in Miami. And look what Raheem Mostert did this year with with Devon A. Chain, Devon A. Chan. I still keep saying it, but whatever. Uh, it's clearly on his tail. And Raheem Mostert, what did he go and do? He ripped off a 20-touchdown season. So you're trying to target those those running back situations where they could pan out, but on the on the other side of the coin, if I'm playing devil's advocate versus myself, you know, you look at this, a situation like, let's say, Houston. You took Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce absolutely screwed you in every, in every which direction. But also Pittsburgh. Yeah, but even honestly, the Pittsburgh situation actually kind of worked itself out, and 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 Najee Harris was actually all right. I mean, he scored two touchdowns in, in, in championship week. So it, it's, it's true. true. At the end of the day, if you took Najee Harris or if you had Najee and you started him in championship week, granted, I don't know, any, I don't know anybody that did, but if you did, congratulations, it kind of. You kind of won a championship, and he had a Najee Harris-like year. You know, he was 900 yards rushing, uh, seven touchdowns here or there, 25-ish catches. So it, if we didn't take Najee Harris in, and he was never a third-round pick for me. I had him in round four, round five, coming into the season. But if we didn't take him in round three, which is where he was kind of going, I think if people saw Najee Harris with 900 yards and seven, and seven touchdowns, people would just kind of be like, Okay. Like they wouldn't be overwhelmed. They wouldn't be underwhelmed. They'd just be whelmed. Yeah. It's so, just it was a third round pick and there was a gut of his year that was really, really, really stinky. And we had to fight off questions about Jalen Warren. Um, it just made the Najee Harris picture um a, a whole a whole lot worse. But at, well, the, end a the, coin at flip, the end of the day, basically that backfield did return value. Yeah, but it was a coin flip on who you – unless you were starting both of them, it was a coin flip on who produced for you. You had to gamble. Sure, sure. I don't, I don't know anybody that was starting Najee Harris or Jalen Warren every single week. And the answer probably is no one was starting Najee Harris or Jalen Warren every single week. Yeah, I, I guessed wrong during championship week, and it cost me third place. But that's besides the point. Mm. Um, But like those – I mean that's probably one of my New Year's resolutions is – these like situations where you need to get the handcuff and i mean i guess these situations might be i don't know i don't know if they're few and far between but like the Najee harris and joe warrens of the world i just don't want to deal with that next year sure but because that's so that's so stressful i mean obviously if something happens where that happens and i couldn't have like if i knew Going in, like, okay, you need to get, like, when I drafted Najee, I was like, I need to get Jalen Warren because, you know, I'll be screwed otherwise. Like, if I didn't know that that was the case, then that's fine, whatever. But I, I don't want to knowingly draft, like, a 50-50 split committee like that because it's just too, it's too much work <laughs> to okay, deal with. Okay, but what, what running back outside outside of round one is not going to be in a committee? That's my counter. Well, that's a fair point. Like, is then, are you targeting Isaiah Pacheco everywhere? Are you targeting, we don't know the situation with Rashad White, but if Rashad White's there by himself, he's probably going to be in the middle of the second round, if not in the early third. Um, Kenneth Walker was in a committee. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's probably going to be a one-two turn pick, both more than likely. Like, James Cook, is he a guy you're targeting? 
that, that that's the problem is you say you want to avoid the committees, but as you go further and further down the board, the committees are going to be more and more prevalent. So if anything, you're going to be going zero wide receiver. If that if that's the if that's the approach, but even then in round one, Bijan was there with Tyler Algier. Jameer Gibbs is there with David Montgomery. So you can't you can't really avoid it unless you're at the top of round one and you're selecting Christian McCaffrey. B- Bijan's a weird situation because he has an absolute a diabolical mad scientist idiot for a head coach. Well, for now, for now, but it it just seems like if I I'm just spitballing, but the guys that are at the top of my head that I could say probably won't be in any sort of committee next year, barring they bring in somebody else, would be, of course, Christian McCaffrey, would be uh, Derek Henry, depending on where he goes. Barkley, he, too. He even, may, he even may be. So I can't say that for sure. Barkley, too, depending on where he goes. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say I can't say that for sure though. Um, Josh Jacobs, yeah. depending on depending on where he goes, depending on where he goes, but I, I think he'll probably stay in Las Vegas. That's kind of the vibe that I get, and probably Brees Hall. Yeah, I was gonna say Brees Hall. Probably Brees Hall. Well, what about Kyron Williams? There could be there 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 definitely could be a guy brought in there, but. The, the 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 Kyron offseason hype that he's gonna get, I, I I think right now just based on merit we have to be talking about Kyron Williams as the first round pick next year, and that that is a very scary, very daunting proposition for me. I mean, his stat line after well, honestly, all season outside of maybe four games has been amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's been he's been awesome. He's rattled off twenty straight ca- twenty carries in five straight games. He had that stretch rate where he was out, but outside of that, he basically has been twenty carries every single week since he's played. Uh, he's had the job in a, in a full time capacity. He's basically been that every every single week. And you know, which we know what Sean McVay likes to do. Sean McVay likes to ride his running backs, and Kyron was was that guy. We, I just. This is my problem, and this is where I have to either retrain my brain or just kind of stick to my guns, and if I get it wrong, I get it wrong. I just look at a guy like Kyron Williams, and I say to myself, okay, he's not the most talented guy in the world, but he's in a situation where no matter who is back there, they're going to end up scoring points, unless it's Cam Akers, who was a guy that I loved and I thought was very talented, which kind of is my problem. Well, it, for half for half a season, he was. Is I look, I, But I look at Cam Akers, and I say, Cam Akers is an eons better running back than, than Kyron Williams is, just based on talent. Based on talent and talent alone, Cam Akers is better than Kyron Williams. But who was, uh, who was a better fit in the LA system in the North South style of offense that Trump Bay likes to run, especially in the trenches? It's Kyron Williams. It's Kyron Williams for sure. And he's he definitely like obviously I haven't done my rankings my rankings yet for any draft stuff, and I probably won't be doing any draft ranks for at least a couple weeks. Um, yeah, but let's kind of let the let the smoke clear. Oh, trust first. me, I'm I'm milking the time as much as I can. <laughs> but I would imagine that if that when I do my ranks, I would imagine Kyron Williams is probably gonna be a first, if not second round pick. And he's kind of in the same situation as Jonathan Taylor, as Bijan, as Jameer Gibbs in that same sort of circle. And the thought that you'd be building a team that some that some managers out there that their first pick in 2024 could be Kyron Williams is is frightening to me. Well, it really, say, it really is. When you say it out loud, Jonathan Taylor is also a guy that is definitely kind of like by himself. I think he could be. Next well, year. they could, they could always draft somebody. They could always draft someone, or they could or they could look at Evan Hall when he goes back next year, and they can say, "Oh yeah, we like Evan Hall, and he could he could be the the change of base guy from from Jonathan Taylor." But I don't think Zach Moss is going to be a huge uh, a huge detriment to uh, to Jonathan Taylor and his uh, potential production in uh, in twenty twenty four. Yeah, definitely. So I guess I just gave two. So uh, why don't you why don't you give one? 
Uh, sure. And, and this is one I think we're going to be talking about the majority of the offseason. I, I brought it up heading into the year. I think there was a the huge debate um, prior to the season about who would we rather have, Chris Olave, Jalen Waddell, T. Higgins. And I was on board with it being Chris Olave because I just did not – I would rather the wide receiver one in New Orleans over the wide receiver two in Miami and the wide receiver two in Cincinnati. And turned out that was a correct call because – Jalen Waddle was poopy all year, and yep. T. Higgins was hurt. And when he played, he was kind of poopy, barring barring one or two games. So in a contract uh, year too, which kind of sucked. The worst contract year I've ever seen, hands down, bar none, not even close. But the main takeaway that I'm going to be going after is not trying to go for those early wide receiver twos in an offense that Jalen Waddle type, that T. Higgins type, where there is a dominant number one receiver and maybe you know another another uh situation where this could be next year it could be in potentially san francisco with debo who won people championships and brandon Ayuk, who also won people championships that was a I w- that was a good situation though. that's kind of an outlier um for for, for well, what about the eagles guys well that's that's also part of the problem is uh devonta smith he had his weeks for sure but he was only the wide receiver 16 at the end. And that was a guy that we were that we were taking in in round three, which is solid. Like I'm not saying that it's that it's not, but there weren't the meteoric highs that you you were kind of looking for. Puka and, Nakua also. Well, was... that's that, that, now this is this is the 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 argument that I was gonna get to was the cup and Nakua situation. But we saw Nakua have down weeks, we saw Cup have down weeks. So when there are these two guys that are an offense by themselves and there is not a clear talent discrepancy between the two, I, I have to just avoid the situation altogether versus when we're looking at a situation like, let's say, Dallas. CeeDee Lamb is the clear target hog there. Uh, Detroit, Amon St. Brown is the clear target hog. We'll get to Sam Laporta, you know, in a bit because we all the Jets tight ends. Uh, the Jets for right now, yes, there is a clear target hog there, and that is Garrett Wilson. And Garrett Wilson, I'll be all over again in 2024. Even Minnesota if the Jets keep bring in like a like a Romo Odunze or trade for Devontae Adams or what have you. Well, if they, if if they do trade for Devontae Adams, there is a situation there for sure. There 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 was a big 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 problem there with in terms of how I'm going to feel about Garrett Wilson and, and Devontae Adams really. For for twenty twenty four, I if if the Jets do trade for Devontae or Garrett Wilson, I Wait, won't what? have Devontae or Garrett Wilson in my top fifteen. Okay, it's not really yeah. I can't. Well, is it different than if they just drafted somebody? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. completely different. Completely different. Like if if they draft Romo Dunze, then. Then we we're have a different situation. They draft Keon Coleman. We're in a different we're in a different spot. First, me personally, I'm just putting it out there. I'm saying the Jets do not draft a wide receiver. You need to get offensive linemen. I know. You need to get as many offensive linemen in the building as you as you possibly can. Joe Alt. That's it. That's it. That's what the Jets should be doing. But uh, just and going back to it, you know the, the the whole situation as well with Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk. There was never really a number one wide receiver in Jacksonville. It was just two number two receivers that were battling it out to be to be the number one. Granted, Ridley and Kirk. Ridley was an was an early pick, round four, round five. You know that, that that's just like whatever. Uh, but Kirk was a much better value, and you took the better value. And and for most of the season, Kirk was on was on par with Ridley. And the take that we all had coming into the year on this program of Christian Kirk being better a better value than Calvin Ridley was one hundred percent correct. It just is a shame. That Christian Kirk uh, couldn't see it out, so we could really take our victory lap. Um, but you know, just looking at you know, I'm gonna be very curious to see where these you know uh, supposed elite number two receivers are going to be going in the draft in, in drafts next year, and what lower tier I guess number one receivers uh, where they'll be going. Like I think the, the the obvious name that I keep thinking about, you know, and this was a guy that I I knew I was debating. Um, go, going over them all off season, that was DK Metcalf. You know, 
I don't see myself having DK Metcalf below Jalen Waddle, T. Higgins coming going into next year. Like I think for me, Jalen Waddle is a top is a borderline top twenty receiver. And that might be very generous. And depending on where T. Higgins ends up, if he's still in Cincinnati, he's probably a top twenty four ish receiver. And yeah. that's also, about we it. Were... And I probably won't be drafting getting any of them. Yeah, we were also kind of robbed of Mike Williams and Keenan Allen because that could have been a great pairing. Um, yeah, but you weren't drafting Mike Williams in the third round. You were drafting Mike Williams in like the sixth, the seventh, and Keenan Allen was basically going in the third round. Yeah, I could actually so, tell you. I'm talking that. about those the super high end wide receiver twos in, in their team, and, and mainly the guys that I'm adding here are are, are Jalen Waddle and T Higgins. Yeah. And to an extent, Tyler Lockett too. But I think the, the writing was on the wall for Lockett, and and I think and and we talked about that coming into the year that Lockett was in a situation where there was the possibility that he was not going to at least finish the year as the wide receiver two in that team, and he kind of finished the two A to the two B of of Jackson Smith and Jigba, and then the arguably, one of DK Metcalf. Arguably, JSN was finished as the two A. Yeah, sure, sure. So that's not a that's not a hot take. That's not a hot take at all. Um, mine is something from the mailbag, from one of our mailbag questions that I definitely agree with. That kind of like sparked something. This might be like next year might be the year of the tight end. Tight end. Fantastic. Might, you, 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 you took you took my next one. Great. So we can talk <laughs> about it. Yeah, the year of the tight end. I mean, Sam Laporta, Travis Kelsey. We don't know about T.J. Hawkinson what that situation is going to be. Hopefully he gets well soon, but when he's coming back, I don't know. Evan Ingram, George Kittle, Njoku, Trey McBride, Jake Ferguson, Dalton Schultz, Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, Don Kincaid, Kyle Pitts. Those guys, that's like, what, 10, maybe, maybe more? I'm terrible at math. Let's see, what is that? 12, 13 tight ends that I just named? that could all be pretty good average to pretty good next year mm-hmm. i mean that's deep that's as deep as the outside of the top four guys throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks the tight end has been i do you, do you want to hear the the tight ends that i think i'd be very comfortable with with riding with next year just sure. right now yep um kelsey mark andrews george kittle Sam Laporta, Evan Ingram, David Njoku, Jake Ferguson, Dallas Goddard, Trey McBride, Cole Komet, Dalton Schultz, Dalton Kincaid, TJ Hawkinson, Darren Waller-ish, and Tucker Craft. That's true. I didn't even mention Darren Waller or Tucker Craft. Those are those are fifteen tight ends. What about ASAP Ferg, your boy? I said ASAP Ferg. Oh, you did. Okay, I did. Those are fifteen tight ends. That that you can ride with, and what I think we're going to see a lot of in drafts is a lot of, a lot of tight end hoarding. I I think that we're going to see it's to be very popular that a lot of managers are going to go out of their way and try and take a McBride with a Comet, try and take a Ferguson with a Goddard, take an Ingram with an Injoku, and try and corner the tight end market as be- as best they possibly can. I think I mean, that is going to be a very popular strategy that a lot of managers are going to, are going to try and employ. Yeah, I'm I'd be interested to see what how David Njoku fits cuz like this whole surge with Njoku mm-hmm. happened with jo- with the with an elite quarterback. Yeah, and that's Deshaun very true. Wa- and Deshaun Watson as we know is not elite. No. He's no. far from elite. Joe, Fl- uh, Joe Flacco gave us Dennis Pitta, and he made Dennis Pitta have a very, very, very functioning and solid NFL career. De- Dennis Pitta probably owes 30% of his earnings to Joe Flacco, to be fair. So, but, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, and it, and it also comes down to looking at the, I guess I could I could kind of uh, go on your point a little bit further and say, you know, where are we taking the likes of Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, Hawkinson? I don't think there's going to be a tight end that we're drafting in the first two rounds. Oh no! I, well, I, I, don't I think, think people so. have learned their lesson. 
No, I don't think so. I think it's going to be maybe we're going to see Kelsey at the two three turn. And it's that's a big maybe. It's because tight ends aren't scarce anymore. Right. Right. They're a dime a dozen. Well, I wouldn't say that they're a dime a dozen, but it's not. It's deep. It's as deep as it's always been, as it's ever been. But I mean, it's not scarce to the point where you're like, and plus. Travis Kelsey, we talked about this on the on the review show. Travis Kelsey is not getting any younger. No. He's not a mutant anymore. Nope. At least this year he wasn't a mutant. So you got to uh, think about that. We're going to see a lot of different variety with who the tight end one is in fantasy next year. I, that's like a, a prediction that I have for the offseason as I think we're going to see more more people not have Travis Kelsey at the top. I think some people are going to say it's going to be Andrews. Some people are going to say it's going to be Laporta. And I wouldn't blame him. I yeah. wouldn't blame him one bit. I mean, I don't know. It's weird because the journey wasn't great sometimes for Kelsey, but he's still almost at 100 catches and almost 1,000 sure. yards. No, Kelsey, Kelsey, at the end of the day, Kelsey was all right. Kelsey was was all right. He'll probably, you know, pending he plays in, in, in week 18 for maybe a half, He'll probably finish with in and around a hundred catches and he'll have he'll have over a thousand yards, but the five touchdowns, yeah, that's um that's not good. And listen, and, I gotta and, tell I gotta tell you, this is this is a secret from, from me to you and you to me. In my column this week on Fantasy Pros, I put in that a disappointing start was going to be Travis Kelsey. Ooh. I put well, it in. His playoffs let me tell were you, terrible. I got absolutely roasted for it. Yeah, well, I got roasted for it. He's gonna be. But, it's gonna be a, a good matchup for Travis Kelsey oh, going up but, against the Chargers. But Travis Kelsey is playing the Bengals. They're the third most points to the tight end position, guys. This isn't the Kansas City Chiefs team from even last year. This this is a shell of themselves. This is not a good football team. Just plain and simple. The offense stinks. There's no real fluidity there. The defense is it holds together. This is not a good football team. They, they mean, need to go out in the offseason. And their priority number one has got to be to add a big play wide receiver. To get someone else in there. With right, you're wrong. Rice get, and get DeAndre Hopkins. Right, you're wrong. No, <laughs> no, no. I know the guy. I know the guy right away. Who is Mike the guy? Evans? Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. You want your guy? There it is. Yeah, Mike Evans would be great with this team. Mike Evans, Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey. That it helps. I don't think it fixes all the all, all the woes that are going on there. They might but still need both, to draft but it somebody. It certainly helps. Because Mike Evans is, you know, he's not going to play there forever. They they need to – if Travis – when Travis Kelsey retires, the Chiefs might be fucked. <laughs> well, they're going to they're, they're gonna need to find their next guy. They may have found their next guy in, in Rasheed Rice, but Rasheed Rice is only going into his second year, and the Chiefs have Super Bowl aspirations. You can't be – uh, pinning your hopes and dreams for a Super Bowl in the hands of literally the hands of a second year player. You, you need to get other guys that are going to be around them. And if the wheels are falling off for Travis Kelsey, then you can't be relying on him all that much. You need to get someone else in there. And the guy you can get in there is Mike Evans. That you hope that he holds up for a year. And if you could do that and you have a healthy offense that surrounds, you know, at Mahomes is surrounded by the likes, the, you know, those, those guys. You're you're really chilling and you're very happy with that. If you're uh, if you're if you're a Chiefs fan or if you're a Chiefs investor in, in in fantasy, you're you're really loving that. But I'm telling you right now, Adam, I'm telling you right now, what's going to end up happening is Mahomes had his wor the worst year of his career this year. He's going to come out week one. I'm going to be facing him somewhere week one. He's going to throw for 500 yards and seven touchdowns. <laughs> That's it happens. Oh oh, it's going to be classic, classic. This and maybe this is a lesson for myself. Um. No more Patrick Mahomes. It is Josh Allen. My guy. My guy. Great guy. Great guy. Yeah. Did you see did you see by, by chance 
um, Mike Greenberg uh, putting all the Josh Allen haters on blast. I did not see that. Oh, yeah, it was very good. It was very good. And I agreed with almost everything that he said, and I don't normally – I normally don't. But yeah, I was like – I normally oh, also don't good agree point. with Mike, Mike Greenberg. He's – I don't know. As a Jets fan, I just don't like a lot of his takes. Well, you're also jealous that that that, that Josh Allen is doing what Josh Allen is doing. He's doing Josh Allen things, and we love Josh Allen. Great that's guy. Not, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that Mike Greenberg – as a personality, I'm not always a fan of what he says. I wasn't saying anything, anything about this particular segment. Josh Allen could have been a jet. He could have been a lot of things. But to be fair, to be fair, I don't think Josh Allen would have been very good in the Jets. I think yeah. the Jets would have ruined Josh Allen. Like They've ruined pretty much everything else that they've touched in the last 40 years. Well, except for Garrett Wilson. Both. <laughs> Still young. Yeah. No, Josh Allen went to, it's weird saying this about the Bills, considering the Bills had basically since Jim Kelly had a worse quarterback track record than the Jets, but that was a good situation. Well, like Lamar Jackson too. Like people are always like, oh, why didn't anybody draft Lamar Jackson? Why do you, why do you make it all the way to the last pick of the first round? Because Lamar Jackson needed to needed the right situation to develop well you also had teams that were wanting lamar jackson to line up as a receiver well yeah exactly that's the right and those are the wrong situations and also you can't you couldn't draft lamar jackson and be like you're starting right away because as we saw in his first year i mean maybe that was just the ravens didn't let him throw the ball but it just didn't really work. And then what? Ha- and then what happened? A measly year later, yeah, he won MVP. And now he's gonna probably win another one. And he's probably gonna win another one. And it, it, it stinks too because I, I, if he does win it, it's gonna be, oh, but he won MVP in one of the worst quarterback years ever. It doesn't matter. LSU still win, still celebrates their national championship in two thousand seven. Les Miles mm-hmm. still has it on his resume. Absolutely. Just because it was weird. Absolutely. You take you take him where you can get him. I mean, as much as I give them shit for it, the Tampa Bay Lightning still have two Stanley Cup rings, even though one of them is for cheating. Or they cheated to win one of them. Listen, and then the Adam, other one was in a bubble year. Adam, so, I would really quiet down on the whole Tampa Bay Lightning were cheating thing because watch what the New York Rangers are about to do. And I can tell you right now that if the Rangers pull a Tampa Bay Lightning and they do the exact same thing that the Lightning did, your tone will be very different. Well, Phil they, they were they were acting in accordance with the rules. Phil Peel doesn't make as much didn't make as much as Nikita Kucherov did or does. Uh, sure, sure. But at the end of the day, if if Phil Peel going on LTIR gets a Steven Stamkos, then we're chilling. Okay, that's a bit ridiculous. Why? Well, like Stamkos, you mean in the off season or at the deadline? At deadline. Oh, expiring contract, Stephen Stamkos, who's probably not going to be back in Tampa anyway. Listen, listen, listen. We've done deadline business with them before. I'm aware, and it took us to a Stanley Cup final. Granted, that was also Steve Eiserman and not Julian Breezeblob, but neither here nor there. We're we're still acquaintances. We we have acquired Tampa Bay Lightning captains before, and we'll do it again. That's true. That is true. We have. Can we not trade Jacob Truba? Because apparently that's the cost nowadays. Fuck that. <laughs> We're not doing Fuck. captain for captain shit. Fuck that. Oh, speaking of, speaking of, uh, the, the Knicks, they did a thing. They did a thing. They did a thing. I, uh, uh I don't know. I mean, I I don't think Emmanuel quickly would have succeeded under this regime anyway. I completely 100% agree with you. Which is, and the, more I've, the more I've thought about it, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, giving up a max contract, uh, almost near max contract with quickly once he signs that, 
and a second round pick for three players. One that includes OG Ananobi, um, uh, Precious Achua, who is a big that we absolutely fucking need, and Malachi Flynn, who really cares. Like, I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah. I mean, I was a little bummed about RJ Barrett, but I get it. Because at this point, it's year four. So you got to. No, absolutely. You are what you are, but I was rooting for him. Right. And listen, listen, I'm sure that RJ Barrett is going to have a very good NBA career up in Toronto. But. I mean, he's from there, so it helps. Yeah. He's Canadian. He grew up a Raptors fan. Yeah. So. I mean, listen, at the end end of the day, we needed to make that sort of deal. Because, I mean, I, I said at the time. RJ Barrett signing that max contract that was that was silly. We didn't have a choice, but it was silly. Um, but now you could turn that max that max deal into OG Ananobi, who I think I think most will say that OG Ananobi is a better player, just straight up, than RJ Barrett. I think most people would better, say that better shooter, better defender. Um, it, I, I think for a lot of people, it's the Emmanuel quickly part that that just stings, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't fault that. Well, they, I don't think they would do this trade without quickly, because R.J. Barrett is a depressed asset. And no, no, they they needed they needed quickly. I also think for money's sake as well, um, quickly needed to go in in in, in this deal. Well, also the Knicks probably wouldn't have signed him in free agency. Yeah, that's also true. They probably wouldn't have been able to to have signed him in in free agency as well. So yes, that's also true. Yeah, but oh man, I I missed the off season where we could just talk about stuff that's yeah. not football. Yeah, I mean, I have I have one more. Okay, I have one more uh, takeaway, um, and that is very simply. Do not fall in love with specific players or strategies before your drafts. You have to go out there, especially in redraft. Honestly, re- even during your draft, to be honest with you. Sure, sure. And we talked about that coming into the year, where you know, talking, we we're talking about having to adjust on the fly and 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 make changes as the draft kind of shapes up. Every year and every league is completely, completely different. So. I guess what I'm trying to say is kind of what I've said all along, and I just kind of stick to it. Where it, when everyone else is zigging, you're going to zag. So, like, for example, if everyone is going for a tight end early, right? And you had in your head that you were going to go take a tight end in round eight, change that up. Change that up. Maybe you can take a tight end at round ten, and just keep stacking up on your 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 running backs, your receivers. Maybe you try and find a quarterback in there. Um, that's another that's another one too, which we could touch on at the very end. Um, is 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 just about about quarterback. Oh oh my god, and there's there's one more that I have that I have as well. Shit. Well, that's um, the other that's the other thing about that is that when you see a lot of people taking from one position that means that there's better players left at the positions that are not being taken you know all these moves aren't being done in a vacuum sure sure this is this is a big one that i want to get out there and this is just my own me personally yes um and you could tell me if, if i'm wrong with this next one that i have this is the one that i really wanted to get out there okay and that is 75 to 80 percent of your fab should be gone after the first six weeks and what I mean by that is look at who we saw become available in the first six weeks of waivers, right? We saw Puka Nakua become available. We saw Tank Dell become available. We saw Kyron Williams become available. Those were all, all in the first six weeks. After that, not really a whole lot of things are out there. I mean, sure, maybe Zach Moss reappeared. I mean, Devon um, Chan was probably on waivers. Maybe, maybe, yeah. It, we're talking about that first six weeks, sure. Um, I feel like for me personally, I am not going to be in a situation next year where I'm going to have the majority of my fab after the first six weeks. I'm not saying blow it. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is the majority of that fab should be gone. And 
basically what you have left is enough to make to make pickups here or there where you see fit. Um, because we still we see, we see it in the first six weeks all the time that those are really the big where the big name players and the big time season long additions that are going to help your team throughout the season. That is where they are are generally popping up. Yeah, absolutely. It's not it's not a bad idea. Like it makes sense. You have to be responsible, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean, even looking at like some of the receivers, like Jaden Reed, um, who is a guy who was a guy that um, was most likely available. Um, Jerome Reed, Ford. Jerome Ford. Ford is another one. Not a receiver, but yes, Jerome Ford. Obviously, yeah, just, just for just, just a guy that popped up in the, in the first six weeks, Jerome Ford. Yeah. I mean, Jerome Ford popped up in week three. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, with injuries, you got to be proactive, not proactive. You got to be um, prompt with getting players like that. Um, okay. Yeah, you can't, you don't want to predict injuries. That's bad karma. But, no, no, absolutely not. But I, I just want to go back as well to this is like the last thing we can talk about here before before we go when I, I kind of think I have it now when this is at the top of the show when we were talking about Adam's lack of trust in the running backs I've been thinking about that throughout the entire show and trying to think about what the counter to that is perfectly and I think I have it where this was the year where if you missed the opportunity to go zero RB, hi, how are you? Um, you? You didn't have a very successful season if you were drafting double RB in the early rounds. I know I did in, in, in certain spots, and then I went zero, zero RB in other spots, and, and it ended up working out. But I think what we're going to see now is the pendulum going too far the other way. And people are going to be drafting next year for what it was this year, if that makes sense. That people are going to, to remember, outside of Christian McCaffrey, that the rest of the running back position, by and large, was absolute dog shit. And people are going to let elite running backs kind of fall too far. And so if you're sitting there, I, I honestly, I'm looking at the – I'm just spitballing – and I'm just trying to come up with like a very basic draft board in my head. But what I'm kind of looking at so far is me saying to myself, I think the backup drafts are going to be so fascinating. And they're going to be so valuable for just everybody that we're going to potentially see that these elite running back options are going to be going too late in drafts and that's going to present real potential value opportunities later on in fantasy drafts for next year when it comes down to running backs. But I think the days of double RB are probably gone. I think you're going to have to go with a running back and a wide receiver at the one, two turn. And even in two, where... even in two receiver leagues. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so. I think it's even more of a, more of a, a certainty in two receiver leagues for sure i i think that is where we're definitely going to be seeing um that rb receiver yeah. split in three receiver leagues i can understand the urge to go uh zero rb just go take two receivers because you're going to start three so i completely understand it but i think the move is going to be assessing you know who's going where and splitting it up going one running back one receiver and making sure you come out of 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 the first two rounds with one of each i think that is going to be the move yeah that's basically what i did um, depending on depending on where you are like i think if you're in the top five top five not one you may not have a choice you may not have a choice and you may have to go wide receiver to start and you better hope there's a running back that comes back to you uh in, in the second round but if you're sitting in the back of round one you could have the possibility to take a very very good running back there and then double them up with a very good receiver in round number two. Well, it'd be tough to pass up on if you're in the top five. It'd be tough to pass up on a Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Terry. Uh, Terry oh, for Joe. sure, for sure, for sure. And I think back. there's I think there's four there's four receivers now 
four or five receivers that we're talking about in the elite tier. We're talking um, Tyreek Hill. We're talking Jabbar Chase. We're talking Justin Jefferson. We're talking Amon St. Brown. And we're talking CeeDee Lamb. I think those are the five elite options that you're going into that you're so. going into next year with the possibility to to, to select. Amon St. Brown more so in full point. Uh, in half, definitely a bit more watered down, but the other four in half, absolutely. Also, drafts are kind of weird this year, lest we forget, because Cooper Cup, you know, he had that hamstring injury in camp. Jonathan sure. Taylor had that holdout. So that kind of like screwed with things, especially mm-hmm. if you had your drafts late. Because I was looking at our draft for the online league, um, and, you know, Cooper Cup went in the second round. Yeah, and I think we, and I think I remember at the time that we thought that was crazy, because Cooper Cup was, you know, he was going to miss the first couple of weeks. You, yeah, well, I, I thought I thought it was crazy because you know the talent. I didn't think it was crazy given the the situation. I mean, you got, I mean, I took Cooper Cup in a draft. I I took him two overall. Granted, yeah. granted, was that, was that before though? No, no, that was with the hamstring. That was with the hamstring. But I knew I knew going into the year that I probably was not going to have a good year there. So I took Cooper Cup just to flip him. That's exactly what I did. Yeah, and Cooper then Cup, Cooper Cup didn't play a down for my team. Jonathan Taylor went the eighth round in that draft. That's, because, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's ridiculous. The same team that drafted Cooper Cup, hilariously. But they, they finished one thirteen, so what are you gonna do? Yeah. Um, well, we're gonna have a whole lot more, uh, a whole lot more off-season content. So, yep, very we're excited. Here. This is, uh, I mean, besides the season, obviously, I I enjoy talking about stuff and analyzing things in the off-season. Yeah, so I think we're, we're probably gonna do for uh, next episode. I don't think I don't think we're gonna have another episode this week. I think we're just gonna have one episode, and 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 that's it. Uh, next week. Uh, Babes and Talk podcast comes back and then I we are also going to be doing I'm going to be listening back to the bold predictions shows that we did I'm going to be writing down all the bold predictions oh, goody. and we're going to reveal them and we're going to see who did the best oh goody oh another uh, three man band potentially maybe potentially. <laughs> all right well exciting stuff Thank you for listening to this episode of the Basin Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review. And let us know how much you love the podcast. And keep your eyes peeled for more content as we head into the offseason and also for the Basin Talk Podcast Classic Edition to hear more about other sports that are not football. Yeah. For my co-host at Birdsall, I'm Adam Caster. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.